MSW Media. News was wearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, October 27th, 2020. Today, Flynn's horrible lawyers have until midnight Monday to verify under penalty of perjury that none of their other documentary evidence has been falsified. Two Democratic House committee chairs verify that Pompeo is under investigation for violations of the Hatch Act. How the Wall Street Journal killed a Russian disinformation attempt by Steve Bannon and Donald Trump. Kushner tells Fox News that black Americans aren't successful because they don't want it enough. How the indictment of a member of the Boogaloo Boys has shattered Trump's law and order facade, and one of Trump's impeachment lawyers was involved in the Hunter Biden email operation. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Dana, how are you? Oh, A.G., I'm, you know, every time you ask, every time I'm like, how am I? Um, mm. We're getting through. We have a week. We have less than a week. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, we have a week. A week from today, actually. One week mm-hmm. from today. I don't know if we'll know, but at least we'll be closer to the end of whatever's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it, people are so on edge right now. I put out a map that I think, oh, I can't remember who posted it. Uh, David Frum, I think, and it's like got Biden. Uh, if you know, you can you can play with an interactive map on the New York Times and and see if Biden wins certain states and Trump wins certain states, what the outcome will be. Right. And so I did my dream map, right? And it's like 416 to 111 or something. <laughs> it's like a blowout. And uh, and I'm like, I just put, it, I just tweeted, I was like, this is election porn. And everyone seems pretty cool with it. You know, everyone's like, yes, fuck yeah. Or I'm going to pull, pull out my tubing or, you know, whatever. They kind of understand the concept. But there's some people who are like, this is bullshit. This is fake news. You need to not... You're suppressing the votes. Oh my, like, god. oh, my God. Did you see my other 8 million tweets about? Never mind. I oh. know. It's some, I, I got in a fight with a with a, a Trump lesbian on Facebook. I'm like... There's it, Trump lesbians? Yes, there's Trump lesbians. It was just one of those funny things where I had posted that picture because of the fake Melania that's going around. And I... <laughs> And I, fake I, Melania. Yeah, there's a there's another body double that he's using in a picture, and so basically, I was like, it's weird that they would recast Melania this close to the show getting canceled. And I remember I yes. commented on that. I was like, yeah, every time you bring in a new Becky, the show totally jumps the shark. Exactly. So some lesbian who apparently is very proud of voting for Trump jumped on my Facebook and underneath the picture wrote a comment that had nothing to do with the actual post. It was full of grammar problems, and then was shocked when my page attacked her. Uh, and I stayed quiet. I actually just said, if this made the least bit of sense, I'd have a conversation, but I thank you for saving me the time. And then I left mm. um, until mm-hmm. she said something to my sister. And then, and then I came back. <laughs> but it's just mind blowing to me. I don't understand it. I don't understand the LGBTQ community that still thinks this guy is somehow a good advocate for us it's it's mind-blowing mm. yeah and, and to be fair though to the folks uh, on my twitter feed i know people uh, are gun shy from from 2016 they don't totally. want any they don't want anyone to think that it's safe or that we're 
going to, you know, win by, you know, every just act like we're 10 points down. And I've been saying that for a million years. And I, I was kind of hoping I was kind of hoping by putting the word porn in the like this is election porn, like people would sort of understand the fantasy aspect of it. It's not like you porn porn. It's not like amateur porn. It's like this is professional uh, level, f- uh, you know, fiction. <laughs> right. fiction Unfortunately, porn, there's right? a lot of people out there that think all porn is a real relationship. Uh, yes, and I've dated many of them. Okay. Oh dear. Uh, but uh, anyway, we do have some so insane much. so much amounts of news to get to. So let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story today, House Appropriations Committee Chairwoman Nita Lowy from New York and House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Elliot Engel, we know him, today made the following statement, quote, our offices had confirmed that the Office of Special Counsel, by the way, that's not Mueller, that's the regular Office of Special Counsel, has launched a probe into potential Hatch Act violations tied to Secretary of State Pompeo's speech to the Republican National Convention. This information comes on the heels of reporting that the Office of Special Counsel is looking into Pompeo's stated commitment to rush out more Hillary Clinton emails before Election Day, (laughs) as the Secretary has misused State Department resources on his speech tour of swing states. This is uh, at the RNC. He flew on the taxpayer dime to Jerusalem and gave a speech from there, if you remember. Now, uh, they continue, as we get closer to both this year's election and his own inevitable return to electoral politics, Mike Pompeo has grown even more brazen in misusing the State Department and the taxpayer dollars that fund it as vehicles for this administration's and his own political ambitions. The department has repeatedly missed congressional overseers' deadlines for producing documents in his recent domestic speeches that would help us understand whether they were improper political activities. So we're grateful to OSC, whom Mr. Pompeo cannot fire, as he is as he did the inspector general, for looking into this matter. The State Department has a legal obligation under the Federal Records Act to create and retain documentation of the department's actions, including by Secretary and is in a circle. Congress has every right to review those official records, whether it's before Secretary Pompeo's departure or afterwards. <laughs> the truth about this administration's corruption will come out. Like, Just subtle shade. I know. Like, you know, when we're, we're about to fire your fucking ass, uh, and whether this is before or after, we're going to find out whether or not you violated the, the Hatch Act and misspent taxpayer dollars. Have a nice day. And there's so many of them, though. Like, I would love to see someone actually go down for violating the Hatch Act, because it's like Ivanka and Junior and Jared and Donald and Pompeo. It's in... It's amazing. The problem is, is that the Hatch Act, the punishment for violating the Hatch Act is simply that the Office of Special Counsel will tell your supervisor that they think you violated Uh, the Hatch Act and it's up to your supervisor to fire you or write you up or admonish you or anything. So there's no real teeth to the Hatch Act. That's why I'm, I'm thinking... You know, when we do a little government ethics reform, that maybe they attach a nice fine. That'd be nice. Uh, to, to violations of the Hatch Act that have to be paid personally, not out of campaign donations, um, and perhaps have to be given to the uh, your opponent's campaign. That'd be fun. That would be real right? fun. I like when I <laughs> learn things from Allison Gill. Uh, it's, it's true. There's so much of this I don't, you know, every time I used to see a tweet where it was like, uh, Kellyanne Conway violated the Hatch Act, I was like, throw her in jail. But I guess that's not an option. So, okay. No, it's good to know. Not. I guess I'll take it down a notch. Uh, the next one is from the whitest person on the planet, uh, Jared Kushner, <laughs> who, who said, Black Americans must want to be successful in order for President Donald Trump's policies to help them. Oh, it's like watching like unscented mm. lotion give a speech. It's disgusting. The president's son-in-law. You, you, you know what I thought of? Because, you know, you and I talked to uh, Mary Trump and we did the Mary Trump book club. I thought of like, 
you know, maybe what he's trying to say is, look, the best way for you to get money or get ahead in this world is to have your dad uh, hire a prostitute <laughs> to sleep with your brother-in-law and then take naked pictures of them and blackmail them, you know, bootstrap. Yeah, and then send them to him at, at your uh, nephew's, what was it, graduation or engagement party? It was one of the two. Engagement party oh my God. wedding or something terrible. <laughs> and then to actually say to the in-laws, we're not sure your daughter's good enough for our family. Yeah, Ivanka. We're not sure Ivanka's good enough for us. Oh, my goodness. She's perfect. Anyway, so Jared Kushner has decided that black Americans must not want to be successful. Yes, the president's son-in-law and senior advisor made the shocking claim during a Monday morning interview on Fox and Friends, because that's the only place that'll have him, uh, seemingly implying that black Americans don't want to be successful. And this is a quote. Again, one thing that we've seen in a lot of black communities Because Jared Kushner is so... He hangs out there, you know. (laughs) Yeah, he chills with the black communities. One thing I've seen with a lot of black communities, which is mostly Democrat, they won't say Democratic because they really like to push that Democrat, is that President Trump's policies are the policies that can help people break out of problems that they're complaining about. But he can't want to be, he can't want them to be more successful than they want to be successful. And what we're seeing is groundswell support in the community because they're realizing all the different bad things media said about President Trump is not true. So Kushner (laughs) believes that his father-in-law, racist in chief, wants black people to be more successful than black people actually want to be successful themselves. So Mm -hmm. he actually made those remarks uh, after he was asked to comment on rapper Ice Cube's recent announcement. uh, He is an advisor for Trump's campaign, the Platinum Plan for Black America. Now, Allison, I do think it's funny that the Plan for Black America is named after one of the whitest precious metals uh, that we have. Um, which is so apropos of this administration. Uh, the president, and it's also, by the way, Ice Cube gave, I think, him 40 pages and they came back with a two page pamphlet. And then somehow, without getting any receipts, Ice Cube was like, I'm back in Trump. And I'm like, oh, okay, that was a big, like, Mexico's going to pay for the wall and you fell for it and then made a public announcement. Uh, this is why I like iced tea more than ice cube. All right. The president's, <laughs> the president's son-in-law used the opportunity to critique celebrities, of course, and advocates over the movement that spurred over the summer following the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Another quote, you saw a lot of people who were just virtue signaling, Kushner said, before praising the late 80s rapper for his solution-oriented approach. Read that sentence again. Yep, you got it. You saw a lot of people who were just virtue signaling, Kushner said, before praising the late 80s rapper for his solution-oriented approach. I just want everyone to hear that. He goes on to say, they would go on Instagram and cry or put a slogan on their jersey or write something on a basketball court. And quite frankly, that was doing more to polarize the country than it was to bring people forward. So Allison, yes. Kushner thinks that actual black people (laughs) promoting Black Lives Matter and fighting for uh, racial justice is less effective than his father-in-law tear-gassing a group of peaceful protesters so he can get a photo op with a church and a Bible. So after George Floyd's murder, yes. the black community was virtue signaling, yes. crying on Instagram, wearing shirts or riding on basketball courts. Yeah. And doing more to polarize the country. Yes, that would be Kushner's assessment, which is why he should not speak ever. 
Yeah, and then then it goes on because White House Press Secretary uh, Kelly McEnany, uh, her name, Kelly, uh, Kelly McEnany slammed uh, internet trolls for taking Kushner's comments out of t- context. Out of context? There's the only way you could even make those the least bit positive is to take them out of context. <laughs> exactly. You'd have to be like, uh, when he said a lot of people were just virtue signaling, he was talking about those guys at the airport with the flashlights. Um, and that's a special kind of signaling uh, for when planes come in. So that's what that meant. And then, you know, you would go on Instagram and cry. He, that wasn't after you You would literally have to extract it from the context, like you said, for it to, to not be 100 percent fucking racist. Oh, my God. I mean, the racism you, and you can tell right here, these slogans on jerseys are writing something on a basketball court because I'm sorry, what only black there's only black athletes playing basketball and football and baseball. It's it's un, he's it's it's not surprising. It's probably specifically like aiming that at like LeBron James and what he's of done, of course. You know, and and it's just absolute. The, I can't even. I can't even. It is hard. It gets hard to wrap our uh, sane brains around it. But yes, Jared Kushner, uh, fighting for the black community. Let's keep going. <laughs> Mm. You're taking it out of context. You know what? You're damn right I am. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next up. um, I don't know if I can. I don't know if anything can top that. But from the New York Times, by early October, even people inside the White House believe President Trump's reelection campaign needed a desperate rescue mission. So three men allied with Trump gathered at a house in McLean, Virginia to launch one. The host was Arthur Schwartz, a New York public relations man close to President Trump's eldest son, Don Jr. The guests were White House lawyer Eric Hirschman and former Deputy White House counsel Stefan Passantino, according to two people familiar with the meeting. The three pinned their hopes for reelecting Trump on a fourth guest, a straight-shooting Wall Street Journal White House reporter named Michael Bender. They delivered the goods to him there, a cache of emails detailing Hunter Biden's business activities and... On speakerphone, a former business partner of Hunter Biden's named Tony Bubulinski. <laughs> Mr. Bubulinski was willing to go on the record in the Wall Street Journal with an explosive claim that Joe Biden, former vice president, had been aware of and profited from his son's activities. The Trump team left believing, left that meeting believing the journal, the Wall Street Journal would blow this thing wide open. Their excitement was conveyed to the president. No one else was in the room where it happened, the room (laughs) where it happened. It's so Hamilton. (laughs) Now, as the Trump team waited for the journal expose, the newspaper did its due diligence, right? Mr. Bender and Mr. Beckett handed the story off to a well-regarded China correspondent, James Arity. And a Capitol Hill reporter who had followed the Hunter Biden story, Andrew Duran, uh, Mr. Arity interviewed Mr. Bobolinsky. Uh, they began drafting an article. And then things got messy because without warning, Kaludi Rudy Giuliani burst onto the scene <laughs> with Bat Boy uh, with the tabloid version of the McLean crew's carefully laid plot. Giuliani delivered a cache of documents of questionable provenance, but containing some of the same emails to the New York Post a sister publication to the Wall Street Journal in Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation. Giuliani had been working with Steve Bannon, a well-regarded businessman who is indicted right now for fraud. Uh, He also began leaking some of the emails to favored right-wing outlets. Mr. Giuliani's complicated claim that the emails came from a laptop Hunter Biden abandoned and his refusal to let some reporters examine the laptop cast a lot of doubts on the story, as did the Post's reporting. Uh, which alleged but could not prove that Biden had been involved 
in his son's activities. So this was all, uh, you know, an, uh, allegations, no, no proof. Right. And while the Trump team was jumpy, editors in the Wall Street Journal's Washington Bureau were wrestling with a central question. Could the documents or Mr. Bobulinski prove that Joe Biden was involved in his son's lobbying? Or was this yet another story of the younger Mr. Biden trading on his family name? A perfectly good theme, but not a new one, not news, and it didn't need urgently to be revealed before the election. Trump, Bannon, and the rest of, the, th- uh, the rest of them thought the story was, was going to run October 19th, just before the final debate. Trump told aides that an important piece was going to drop in the journal that day, and his comment was not appreciated inside the Wall Street Journal. They did not like that they were being teed up to do a hit job. But Bobolinsky got tired of waiting for them to go to print. And at 7.35 Wednesday evening, Bobolinsky emailed on the record 684-word statement making his case to a range of news outlets. Breitbart News published it in full. He appeared the next day in Nashville to attend the debate as Mr. Trump's surprise guest. And less than two hours before the debate began, he read a six-minute statement to the press detailing his allegations that former Vice President Joe Biden had involvement in his son's business dealings. But as the debate ended, the journal did publish their story, but not the one Trump was hoping for. Instead, they said Bobolinsky failed to prove the claim. Quote, corporate records reviewed by the Wall Street Journal show no role for Joe Biden. The end. The end, boys and girls. And however you identify, yes. That is how media gatekeepers work. That is what this, our fucking, you know, media and journalists are supposed to do. That is why this story only came out in the New York Post and not in any other outlet with worth a damn, because no one could verify the validity of any of it. So that's what happened. Which is so beautiful that someone actually didn't take the bait. There's so many stories and people getting paid off. I mean, and thank God, you know, Wall Street Journal, not always the most liberal publication, but at least they're not printing yellow journalism, you know? Yeah, and this is a Rupert Murdoch joint, right? This is... Exactly. New York Post's sister paper, although I bet they hate to be called that. Uh, but, you know, they 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 were like, yeah, no, uh, we looked at Bobolinsky over here, and mm, <laughs> no. This is... Aye. All right. Nah. I got okay, so this is sort of gonna be a rapid fire, AG, because I've got a lot of election news. I'm gonna give you the highlights. We're up to about 60 million voting early. That is huge. In fact, by the time you are listening to this, we may have actually done more early voting than people voted for Donald Trump in 2016, which is a beautiful Woo-hoo. thing. <laughs> and we are really breaking records everywhere. So I hope we stay on this. If you haven't voted yet, get out there, vote early, vote in person if it's safe. Don't wait for the last day because November 3rd is not election day. It's actually the last day to vote. So think of it that way. All right. Uh, This one's not as positive and disturbing and possibly unprecedented move. Republican Governor Greg Abbott get this, he's going to deploy a, hot, a thousand, excuse me, that could have sounded like I misspoke. Greg Abbott is going to deploy a thousand National Guard troops into Texas cities for the presidential election next week. Does this not sound like voter intimidation to anyone mm. else? So Express, yeah, Express News reports Democratic strongholds they're just going into the strongholds, but we're receiving guard units including San Antonio, Austin, Houston, Dallas, and Fort Worth. Mm. Yeah. Abbott has not released any information on this plan, which some see as authoritarian voter intimidation. You think? A little bit. A little bit. A little, little bit. The Texas governor is already under fire because uh, he tried to reduce the ballot boxes to one per county. You remember that? When one court was like, absolutely not. And then another court was like, yes. And then another court was like, absolutely not. It's, it's, they're, they're ridiculous down there. That I feel like is a kangaroo court. 
like all these people trying to, you know, one up the other. But luckily, people are voting in Texas in record numbers. So whatever voter suppression they are doing, it's not working, which is lovely. Um, and if you are in Texas and you've waited in lines three, four, 10, 12 hours, thank you. Like I've said before, you're going to be the heroes of this election. And I appreciate you, especially here in California. Mm. Same. Next, we've got Republicans poised to seat Amy Coney Barrett, as we know, and they want to have another live Rose Garden ceremony, Allison. Mm. They want to have another live Rose Garden ceremony because nothing bad happened in the last one. No one got sick. Everything went smoothly. Mm. It wasn't a giant fucking super spreader event. No, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, my God. And if you say yes to those that one and you don't wear a mask, this you're a moron. This is your fault. Mm. All right. This is actually really good news. Uh, Biden's speaking in Georgia Tuesday. So tonight, Biden's going to, today, Biden is going to be in Georgia to deliver his closing arguments. Now, this is a big deal because it's not, the only reason for Biden to go to Georgia is because we have a shot to take the state and we know that. So I am glad that this is happening. And on the other side, uh, Pence is stumping for Graham. Yes, because that's going to be helpful. I think that is a sign that Graham is probably in a, a lot of trouble. But at this point, is Mike Pence the best guy to bring in? You know, <laughs> better mean, than Trump. I mean, if you had to pick one, I mean, is definitely better than Donald <laughs> for sure. If you have to pick either Donald or Mike, I mean, definitely send in Mike at this point. But man, uh, Grinder's going to be missing a couple of, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a couple of uh, st- streamers that day. I mean, if you're if you're Lindsay, who do you bring in to to stump for you? You know, think about that. That's terrible. Um, David Duke apparently is the only person that could make him seem less yeah, racist than he already probably. is. And uh, also, I believe Kamala is going to Texas, uh, which is a great sign uh, for how that state might turn out. So I'm very excited about that as well. Um, Thank you for those election updates, Dana. Uh, One last quick story here. A Trump appointee. You remember yesterday I was talking about this new uh, executive order changing the Office of Personnel Management rules uh, to take away, uh, strip away uh, protections for civil servants. Like I was, I worked in the government forever. Yes. You couldn't yes. just fire me for cause. You can't just fire someone in the government for cause. You actually need to have a, a reason. There's unions. You you have to start with a verbal warning and then do a written warning and then have an admonishment and then maybe a suspension without pay and then a last chance contract and then maybe a second suspension until you're removed. And they do that to protect the rights of the workers of the federal government. It's a thing. Uh, and we've always had these these uh, protections for civil service. And and Trump stripped them away, saying, I'm creating a Schedule F. We'll call it F for your fucked. And uh, basically... <laughs> He can he can decide who's in that pot. Uh, anybody you know, and anybody who makes policy or does anything with policy or b- breathes air or has feet attached to their legs. I don't even know the criteria aren't even clear. And so, but anyone in that group can be fired at will. And apparently, a Trump appointee has resigned over this this order to create a Schedule F, which strips civil, uh, civil service protections from federal employees. The order. Like I said, which could affect tens of thousands or more career positions involved in making or carrying out policy. Making or carrying out policy. Just anybody. Yeah. Uh, quote, is nothing more than a smokescreen for what is clearly an attempt to require political loyalty of those who advise the president or failing that to enable their removal with little, if any, due process. That is Ronald Sanders. Uh, this re- this resignee, I guess, if that's a word, he wrote in his letter of resignation Sunday from the Federal Salary Council. He's on the Federal Salary Council. Quote, I simply cannot be part of an administration that seeks to replace apolitical expertise with political obeisance. Uh, career federal employees 
are legally and duty-bound to be nonpartisan. They take an oath to preserve and protect our Constitution and the rule of law, not to be loyal to a particular president or administration. And I saw this kind of building over the last four years as I was working under Trump. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw emails go out where he changed the Hatch Act, uh, where once it said, you know, you can't oppose or support a political candidate um, for office. And then he changed it to say, and you can't say bad things about Trump. Right. Um, No, you can't use you can't resist. And then he added social media stuff. You can't tweet bad things about Trump. Um, And then it just got so specific over time about you can't it does you you just can't say bad things about Trump. And as we've seen, he doesn't hold anyone to the Hatch Act if they support him. Right. Um, uh, But, you know, this this kind of thing is going to and like when I was removed from my job, they couldn't find that I had violated the Hatch Act or done anything wrong. I hadn't broken any rules. They couldn't fire me for cause. So they had to do it illegally by removing me for medical reasons, quote unquote. Uh, or before they tried to move my job across country or fire me, which was a Mick Mulvaney idea. Right. Uh, but the only reason I'm allowed to 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 go after them for a settlement now is because of these civil service protections. They removed me illegally. Now these now no one's going to have those protections. So it's very very scary and it's a big damn deal. That is well. Hopefully, um, after January what twenty second, they'll they'll be reinstated. So hopefully that will happen. Yeah, they definitely. Definitely will. And I'm I've told the Biden administration if they need anybody uh, in the Office of Personnel Management to help with that, I'm available. Wonderful. Coming up next, I'm going to speak with a Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate in Oklahoma. Senate, U.S. Senate in Oklahoma running against Jim Inhofe. That's the guy who brought the snowball into the Senate to prove climate change wasn't real. Oh, God. And yet (laughs) her name is Abby Broyles. We actually have a chance to flip this seat. Once in a lifetime chance. And uh, later, I'm going to speak with the former assistant director of the FBI for counterintel, Frank Figluzzi, about how the indictment of a member of the Boogaloo Boys has shattered Trump's law and order facade. So we have that all coming up. Stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a wellness company that is well known for its delicious mushroom coffee. Four Sigmatic's mushroom coffee is real organic, fair trade, single origin Arabic coffee with lion's mane mushroom for productivity and chaga mushroom for immune support. I've been starting my day with Four Sigmatic's ground mushroom coffee with lion's mane instead of regular coffee, and I love how much it helps me focus. I stay focused. I can get shit done. It's amazing, and I absolutely feel an uptick in my productivity every time I drink it, so it helps me focus like nothing else. Mushroom coffee is also easy on my gut, and it doesn't leave me with that awful jittery feeling or midday crash. All Four Sigmatic products are organic, vegan, and gluten-free, plus every single batch is third-party lab tested to ensure its purity and safety, so you know you're getting the highest quality coffee and mushrooms possible. Now you're probably thinking, does it taste like mushrooms? I guarantee you it tastes just like coffee, the coffee you love. It brews dark and nutty, and it tastes incredible. Over 20,000 five-star reviews, and best of all, Four Sigmatic backs their products with a 100% money-back guarantee. Love every sip or get your money back. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Four Sigmatic on their best-selling mushroom coffee, but this is just for Daily Beans listeners. Get up to 40% off plus free shipping on mushroom coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com slash dailybeans. This offer is only for Daily Beans listeners and not available on their regular website. You'll save up to 40% and get free shipping. So go right now to foursigmatic.com slash dailybeans. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash dailybeans and fuel your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time to flip it blue. blue. 
And joining me today is the Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate in Oklahoma. She's running against Jim Inhofe. Please welcome lifelong Oklahoman, attorney and award-winning investigative journalist, Abby Broyles. Abby, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Allison. It's good to join you as well. Yes, I'm really, really excited to talk to you because Oklahoma is such an important state. And I feel like the voters there, I think since 1994, Inhofe has been representing Oklahomans in the Senate. And I personally don't think he's been doing a very good job or taking into account what the constituents and the voters and the families and the people of Oklahoma need. And so that's why I wanted to speak with you today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's just never had a serious challenger. And we have a real opportunity, a once in a generation opportunity to flip this seat. And so that's what we are working to do on November 3rd. Excellent. Well, I hope we can help you out here because Inhofe, our uh, listeners, the listeners here will remember, I think, about when he brought a snowball uh, to the floor of the Senate to try to debunk climate change. Can you remind us of that little story? Yes, it was quite embarrassing for those of us in Oklahoma. I was, you know, a journalist in Oklahoma at the time and watching it, you know, replay on the national news was just horrifying. Uh, but yeah, Senator Inhofe, you know, brought a snowball onto the Senate floor. Um, it was, you know, several years ago and it was the middle of winter. Um, he wrote a book called, you know, I think Climate Change, The Biggest Hoax, something like that. So brings the snowball on the Senate floor and says, you know, see, climate change isn't real and tosses the snowball. Um, completely embarrassing, made national news. And that is the kind of person who is leading us and not listening to science or experts during this pandemic. So um, kind of terrifying for the people of Oklahoma having a non-science believer lead us during the big, the biggest public health crisis of our lifetime. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because believing in science isn't just about climate change anymore. Because as you said, we are in the middle of a global pandemic, a huge crisis that Republicans from the top down of this administration have given up on. Mark Meadows went on the news this weekend and said, we can't contain it, uh, you know, basically ran up the white flag on this. And health care is such an important issue to all of the voters and families, many uh, who have pre-existing conditions that would lose coverage if, if the ACA is gutted, which is something that they're arguing in court actively to try to do. Uh, and I know Inhofe has voted against that multiple times. Uh, they have no plan and they could leave millions and millions of Oklahomans uninsured and Americans. But Oklahomans as well. Yeah, absolutely. Healthcare is the number one issue I hear about from voters when I am talking to folks across the state. And back in June, Oklahoma passed Medicaid expansion, a staple of the Affordable Care Act. And so even while people look at Oklahoma as this deep red state, healthcare is still our number one issue. And we voted to have that access to healthcare by passing that statewide uh, ballot initiative to expand Medicaid. So now we have 200,000 Oklahomans at risk of losing that access to health care they were counting on, all because of what is going on in Washington right now. My opponent and his buddies in the Republican Senate trying to dismantle the Affordable Care Act um, with the Supreme Court nominee. Um, this is what's on the line in November. And, you know, one in three Oklahomans has a pre-existing condition. I try to remind folks, yes, it is uh, diabetes, it's cancer, but also if you've had covid you have a pre-existing condition. I've talked to so many um, kiddos who have um, pre-existing conditions. And this is something these kids did not choose, but they will have to live with for the rest of their life. And if they are age seven, eight, nine, and already looking at something, um, not having access to healthcare for the rest of their life, imagine what it's like for those kids who are old enough to understand and for the parents for these young kids who are going to have to deal with it. 
Right now, while so many Oklahomans are struggling, they've lost their jobs this year, lost their health insurance. Uh, my opponent and his buddies in DC have the finest healthcare plan on earth. My opponent has been in Washington since 1987. We've been providing him the finest healthcare plan. Meanwhile, so many Oklahomans are suffering. And now he's working a way to strip away our healthcare. Um, there is so much wrong with this situation. And that's why we are working so hard to unseat him to make sure that we're protecting Oklahomans protect their access to quality, affordable health care, and protect those with pre-existing conditions. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, you know, I mean, with when Trump came down with COVID, he got his care, um, world-class, uh, what he would consider socialized medicine, I guess, at Walter Reed Medical Center, uh, um, you know, given to him by who he considers to be suckers and losers, active duty service members uh, who are working very hard to protect our country and our freedom. Uh, and as a veteran, that really uh, angered me too. But you had just brought up something that dovetails perfectly into another platform uh, issue that I want to talk to you about because you said Oklahomans losing their jobs because of this pandemic, tens of millions of people are filing for unemployment. We have millions of people losing their jobs and we tie health care coverage to employment. And so they, they lose their health care coverage. And so can you talk a little bit about what um, your plan is to, to get these jobs back, to get Oklahomans working again? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is a time for us to invest in entrepreneurship and inspire people to, you know, start up those businesses that they've wanted to. But a big um, hurdle that so many people don't want to, you know, cross when they're trying to start their own business is that lack of access to health insurance. That's why they stay with their employer because they get employer provided health insurance. Meanwhile, um, we aren't having this active growth in our economy and diversifying and things like that. So we need to make sure that when we're bringing jobs back, we're diversifying. We are an oil and gas state and a great one. We can be the energy state and invest in wind and solar. We can invest in industries like tech to keep our young people here. But if people are having to depend on their employer to provide their health insurance, that system is just not going to work. People are not going to venture out and start those businesses. So we need to make sure that there is a place where folks can go and get on the marketplace, shop for health insurance, but stop strip away, stripping away funding from the ACA where those policies become more and more expensive. I mean, so many people I know, including myself, get our insurance through the marketplace and finding a policy that offers actual coverage that is affordable is very difficult. It is a daunting task. And my opponent just in a live interview last week said his solution to fixing healthcare is people just need to get a better job. That's his solution. We need to make sure that we have um, an option in the public sphere uh, through the government to be able to go and shop for health insurance, have that option. And that is the only way we are going to um, really fire up these small business owners and entrepreneurs who have been um, devastated by this pandemic. That's just how, I mean, how out of touch to be, to just say, you should just go get a better job. Like, okay, I'll just get right on that. Thank you, um, Senator Inhofe. Uh, and something else that I think really ties jobs and healthcare together are, and this is on your platform too, is a very important point, are the, are the veterans in your state because they worry about jobs and they worry about healthcare at the VA. Can you talk a little bit about what you uh, would do to, to help 
the veterans in your communities? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, we have to fully fund the VA. And I've talked to so many veterans who are on a five to six day waiting period just to get into one of our outpatient clinics. Um, we need to make sure that we are providing them with adequate health care and uh, providing the mental health services needed also for when folks serve overseas and they're coming back, that they are able to you know, find jobs in our state, but also have access to those critical mental health services that we know they need. We just will not fund. And, and there's no reason that we aren't doing that. You know, my opponent cozies up to defense contractors uh, to fund his reelection campaign and isn't taking care of our men and women who have served and are serving in the military. Um, veterans make up a significant portion of the population in Oklahoma. And, you know, it breaks my heart when I'm talking to organizations like, you know, um, uh, I, one, one is Oklahomans for homeless veterans. Why on earth does there have to be a nonprofit to help our homeless veterans? Why aren't we taking care of them? And so if we are taking care of them from um, a federal government perspective, then that's what should be happening. Instead, we're relying on these nonprofits to pick up the slack because we have leaders like my opponent and Jim Inhofe, who, by the way, is chairman of armed services and touts that every chance he has, but he's not taking care of our people. And we need someone who's going to take care of our people. Well, yeah. And he votes with uh, a president who calls us suckers and losers and and then, uh, you know, and demeans our American war dead. And it's 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 a travesty. And I know I think I've heard you talk about how important it is that transition out of military life can be very touch and go for a lot of veterans. And that's why they need that mental health care support and employment support that you're talking about. Exactly. I mean, that's a that's a big struggle. I hear from so many folks who um, transitioning out. I mean, the the job market's tough anyway, as it is right now. But there are no services in Oklahoma to help them um, find jobs um, as civilians. And we need to make sure that we're providing that avenue because it's a tough one. It's it's tough to go from all the the things that come with serving with um, the mental health issues, but also just the moving back and things have changed and you're trying to find housing. You're trying to you know, reintegrate into you know, civilian life, if you don't have someone helping you find um, access to getting a job, then again, that's one other area where we are failing our folks who have served overseas. And so many people in Oklahoma, you know, um, they stay here um, for quite some time and, you know, they're raising their kids here. And if we are not providing the services they need, it's also a ripple effect on their family that they're, you know, having a grow up here in Oklahoma. And let's talk a little bit when, while we're still on the economy, a little bit about some of the more rural areas of Oklahoma and the farmers in Oklahoma, because this administration and your opponent have, with with the tariffs and the, you know, this trade war that's going on, have really done a number on uh, farmers, family farmers and our rural communities. Can you talk a little bit about what you would do differently there? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I come from a family of farmers. Um, both my grandparents on both sides um, had farms and I grew up on a farm growing up. And, you know, the thing that I hear across the board when I'm talking to family farmers is they want free open markets to sell their products. And right now they do not have that. The trade war has been terrible. The tariffs have been awful. They don't want a handout. They want to just be able to sell their products. I'm talking with ranchers here in Oklahoma because, you know, cattle is uh, huge here. And, um, 
there has been a beef shortage, but yet so many of our ranchers have been um, cut out of the equation because you have these big four corporations, big ag, who are taking over things. And it is destroying our family farmers and ranchers who have been in Oklahoma for decades. And they want to be able to pass that on to the next generation of their family. Big ag, bankrolls my opponent. If you look at who's funding his re-election campaign, it's defense contractors and it's big ag. He also voted against the farm bill. My opponent is not working for our family farmers. Um, he's working for the people who are the best interest for him. And um, that is not taking care of our, our family farmers. And those are the folks I'm going to be fighting for in the United States Senate. I can't imagine how frustrating it must be to have the goods to sell and have nowhere to sell them, um, to be to be cornered, to be pushed out of the market like that. That has to be absolutely uh, frustrating. So, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you're on top of that because it's so important, especially in Oklahoma. Uh, and now I also want to, um, before I let you go here, we've got another minute or so, but I wanted to talk about, because we opened up with the snowball, and I want you to talk about your climate uh, plan because that's so important. Yes. Well, I believe climate change is real. And I think that is a what? huge step up from what we have right now. I know it's crazy. Um, you know, it's people ask me about my climate change platform. And I'm, I said, well, I'm the complete opposite of Jim Hoff. You don't have to worry about snowballs or anything else. And look, it's going to be my generation that fixes this. Um, Inhoff is his own person who just thinks it's a hoax. But, you know, anybody who's been in office as long as he has, has had decades to, to start uh, working against the adverse effects of climate change, and they have not. We have a whole generation of senators who are not making this a priority, and it's going to be us who suffer. And so, um, yes, I believe climate change is real. We have to work against the adverse effects of climate change. That does not mean we are going to destroy oil and gas. We're a big oil and gas state. Um, I will tell you, folks in the oil and gas industry tell me, Look, we can make money and you know have these great jobs in oil and gas, but if we don't have clean air, clean water, and a planet to live on, what's the purpose of making all that money? Um, we can do both. We can put a cap on carbon emissions. We can um, you know do things to make the industry um, more efficient, more safe, and cleaner. But we also have to be looking outside of just oil and gas. Expand into wind and solar. Oklahoma is the state where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. There's no reason why we should be behind <laughs> Texas when it comes to wind energy, but we don't have leaders who are advocating for these clean energy um, resources because we have Jim Inhofe at the helm. And so I, I do believe that um, part of Oklahoma uh, growing its economy and uh, post-pandemic life is going to have to include diversifying and becoming the energy state that means uh, choosing clean energy alternatives and making sure that we are adding things like charging stations across the state so that people have an incentive to drive electric vehicles. Um, we are living in a 1990s world here in Oklahoma. It's time to move us towards the future, but that first starts with replacing who we have in that Senate seat, or otherwise I am terrified of what's going to happen to our planet. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent with you. I, you have a best practices example just to your south. You had Rick Perry made a mint on wind in Texas, and they lead, I think, the country. And uh, and you can have that too in Oklahoma without getting rid of oil and gas. Uh, it's like that. You know, I, I remember when Obama was in energy, and he had all of the different uh, and you know uh, 
ways to to create energy in in his in his back pocket and we became an exporter at that point we were the, we were the leader in energy and in green clean energy and and jobs went up in you know by the millions it's just it's just makes so much sense i don't understand why they don't catch on to that uh really really fast before um before i let you get out of here because i definitely want you to talk about criminal justice reform and gun safety if you would Yeah, I support decriminalizing marijuana on the federal level. Um, First of all, Oklahoma, we passed by statewide ballot initiative two years ago, medical marijuana. And um, we also recategorized certain drug offenses from uh, felonies to misdemeanors. On the federal side, things need to catch up. Um, Marijuana on the federal level is still a schedule one drug on the same level as heroin. Um, I want to decriminalize it. That is a, a key step in criminal justice reform on the federal level. It also shores up the banking issue so that those entrepreneurs can get access to a bank account and not operate in cash. Um, you know, on the state level, we've made important strides in criminal justice reform, um, but I think that we need to be able to do more. And on the federal level, um, it's looking at those sentencing guidelines and updating them because um, we are locking people up because we're mad at them. And that is not how uh, we rehabilitate people. And we know that. And again, it goes back to science and data. And if we look at data and trust it, um, we need to be changing how we do, um, how we're how we're working with the system. I forgot. You asked me criminal justice reform, and I was on my soapbox, and I forgot the last thing. <laughs> Gun safety. <laughs> Gun safety. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what? I grew up in the Columbine era, and nothing has happened since then. Um, our kids are being traumatized by active shooter drills at schools. Uh, parents are dropping their kids off for school, uh, looking at what they're wearing in case they have to identify them later on in the day. This is the world that we are living in. Um, I support universal background checks. If you have a criminal history, it would be important for you to have a background checks that we aren't giving you a gun. Um, it should not be easier to go buy a gun at a gun show than it is for me to sit at a bar and order a beer. But that's the reality we have right now. With that loophole, I also want to make sure that domestic abusers cannot legally get their hands on a gun like they can now, um, putting their victims at further risk. We have to look at gun safety from the lens of our kids. And we have to care more about our kids than we care about our guns. Yes, keep your shotguns, your pistols, your rifles, that's fine. We do not need to live in a world where we have military style weapons in the hands of everyday folks in Oklahoma and any state in the country. But this starts with universal background checks. That piece of legislation has been on Mitch McConnell's desk for so long, for over a year, if we can't get that passed, what on earth are we supposed to tell our kids when the next mass school shooting happens? Yeah, exactly. And if I mean, now that kids are starting to go back to school, it's going to become a problem again. So I, I appreciate you taking that on and taking that to Washington as well. Now, uh, tell the listeners where they can find out more about you, find about your platform, contribute to your campaign. Like you said, we have a once in a generation, maybe once in a lifetime chance to flip this seat and oust Inhofe. So can you tell uh, tell the listeners where they can find your uh, website, contribute, phone bank, text bank? Where can they find that? 
We would love your support in these final days of the campaign. We have so much momentum right now. We actually just outraised Senator Inhofe this past fundraising quarter, which Woo-hoo! is pretty incredible. Yeah, we're very excited. And it's all been because of small dollar donors. Uh, we have over 35,000 donors in Oklahoma. That is significant. And the average contribution is 17 bucks. Um, that's how we just outraised Senator Inhofe. So we need to keep up that momentum to keep our ads up on TV. So if you can chip in, five, 10 bucks at abbybroils.com. I just go to our website, abbybroils.com, click on the donate button. It'll take you to act blue and you'll be able to donate there. Um, your dollars go such a long way and help us keep our message up on TV and on digital and reaching voters in these last crucial days where we are still getting those undecided voters to our side. We can flip this seat, but I need your help. So please follow us on social media. I'm on Facebook, Abby Broyles for Senate. I'm on Instagram. It's just abby.broyles. And my Twitter handle is abbybroyles. Um, your dollars are important. Um, your phone calls to friends in Oklahoma you may have are important. And if you want a phone bank, you can also do that by going to our website and signing up to volunteer. And we can get you started on phone banking, which we know is an effective way to reach voters in these crucial days before November 3rd. So thank you so much to everyone for helping us out. How awesome. I would love it if our patrons and listeners would get together and do uh, an Abby Broyles phone bank, text bank party. I think that we could do that. There might be wine. I'm not going to say whether or not that's the case. I just tend to know the folks who listen to our show. Uh, But I would be loved. I would love to participate in that, too. Thank you so much. We need to get Jim Jim Inhofe out. Inhofe out, right? Hashtag Inhofe out. (laughs) Thank you so much. Abby Broyles. We'll talk soon. Bye. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this segment of the podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. I am a huge proponent of seeking help when you need it. So if you're struggling with anything that's preventing you from living your best life, I recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp is not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's professional licensed counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. I've faced my own challenges dealing with PTS, and I know it's important to seek help rather than try to face it alone. BetterHelp's services are available for clients worldwide with a broad range of experts in your counselor network, which might not be available in your area. The best thing about BetterHelp is that you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. Check out their website and read testimonials like this BetterHelp user SI who says, Mary is an amazing listener and person. She made me feel validated and not once passed judgment on me. She's helped uh, me take things step by step and I appreciate her help every step of the way. Visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today, former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, Frank Figluzzi. Frank, how are you? I am well, and uh, like everyone else, counting down the days to uh, something something better happening. Yeah, and it can't, uh, the final day of the election, which, uh, as we know, is November 3rd, cannot come soon enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. Uh, so you have um, penned a piece for MSNBC I wanted to talk to you about, and it's called How New Boogaloo Boys Violence Shattered Trump's Pro-Police Facade. As we know, he is the law and order, law and order president, and uh, he, he and Bill Barr and his surrogates have been talking about the 
liberal far left, you know, anarchistic jurisdictions and all the violence from Antifa and all this stuff that is just seemingly not true. But now we've got some recently new developments in uh, uh, one of these arrests. And can you talk a little bit about what you write about here? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the opportunity, because this this gets personal for me. I, as you know, I carried a badge and a gun for 25 years. And so I, I wrote this um, not only for general public consumption, but also for my partners in law enforcement and specifically for a police audience. Because, as you know, many cops on the street um, align themselves with the tough kind of law and order mantra that this president is is spewing on a daily basis. And I get that. I get the appeal of a president who says, I've got your back. But what I needed to point out in this piece is that it's a facade. It's not there. And when when you look at it deeply, you find that not only is he not really pro-cop, he's making the job of being a cop that much harder. So what, what prompted this was the indictment Last week, the, the, actually, it was a complaint. I should, to be precise, it was an arrest on a complaint, which, by the way, you're, you're, you have particular savvy viewers. But just to remind um, the non-legal types, a complaint happens in lieu of a, of a grand jury indictment when you need to move fast. So mm. they, they needed to move fast. They, they didn't even get to present this to a grand jury. And they swore out a complaint to arrest a guy um, who is a member of Boogaloo Boys for, you'll recall, the horrific arson, the torching of the Minneapolis 3rd Precinct Police Headquarters. Um, I mean, just torched it to the tune of $10 million in damage. Not to mention he fired 13 rounds from a high-powered assault rifle into the occupied police precinct. So, um, if you'll recall, everybody and their brother was saying, um, you know, this is horrible. This has got to be Antifa and or Black Lives Matter. These people are out of control, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fox News and right on up to the attorney general and the president of the United States. Well, guess what? Um, it was Boogaloo Boys. Now, um, I won't. Yeah, you know, we could spend an hour talking about the incredible mm -hmm. diversity amongst these extremist groups. And, and Boogaloo Boys is one of these groups where I'm not even sure, quite frankly, that they have the capacity to have an ideology. They all The overarching belief among the disparate Boogaloo members is they want a civil war. They want to bring it about. They think it's starting. They think it's going to come. And they want kind of just complete chaos. And, and they're anti-government. So it's not the far left. It's not Antifa. It's not BLM. And in, in, in actually, one of the problems with the theory that it, it is the far left doing this is the far left isn't that organized. And so when you, you know, when you look at the Boogaloo case, you see that this guy that was arrested for the Minneapolis um, incident was actually in communication with a California Boogaloo member who actually shot a couple of cops, including one in Oakland and some um, in Santa Cruz County. So there's an organization to them. And here's the deal. They, they are attacking police stations, just, just like the communication that the Minneapolis guy had with the California guy was a specific instruction. 
go after police buildings. Well, that that's anti-police. And and then if you needed any more, within the last couple of weeks, there's actually been a shootout between a Boogaloo member um, and, and uh, an FBI agent and, and, and the police. And so the FBI agent was shot and wounded before this guy got shot and killed. This is a war on the police and the president's not denouncing them. He's not telling them to stop. And, and, and I'm just pointing out in this article, this is the exact opposite of being law and order. Yeah. Now, do you have any idea uh, if these Boogaloo members or the three percenters or, you know, the Civil War groups uh, who are, you know, from my understanding, at least from what's happening on their social media pages, by and large, Trump supporters, uh, do you know if they're doing this to set up the Black Lives Matter movement uh, to make them look like they're at fault or to make it look like these uh, protests mostly that, you know, uh, came out of the murder of George Floyd? Uh, to sort of put the blame on them for this because they they seem to be doing it um, in these areas where these protests are happening. Yeah, the short the short answer is yes. Um, and and if you want a specific example out of the Minneapolis arrest, all you need to realize is that this guy who torched the police precinct actually said before he fired off his automatic uh, weapon, "Justice for Floyd." So. Let me assure you, this guy wasn't looking for justice for George Floyd. He was piggybacking and exploiting um, the protest and and really in, in disgracing the the, uh, the memory of George Floyd in doing so. So we see a combination of just hijacking legitimate protest and also more even more nefariously pretending to be the far left. It's it is it is happening and. The, the real disgrace here is that people like our attorney general, our secretary of Homeland Security and our president have said repeatedly that it's all about Antifa and BLM in terms of the violence on our streets. And then what I'm really getting tired of hearing is the president pointing to all of this violence and saying, this is what it will look like if Biden is president. Well, hey, time out. It's what it looks like right now. And you're the president. Yeah, he, he seems to keep pointing that out. And uh, I remember during this last debate when he said, you know, uh, depression is at an all time high. Suicides are happening. Everything is terrible. Uh, you know, people, everything's awful. Depression, drug use, drug abuse. And, and I'm sitting here. I'm like, you're in charge right now. <laughs> like he, he just seems to keep doing this dance where he wants everyone to think that he's running against Joe Biden's America, and that's what we've been seeing for the last four years. Yeah, look, whether it's the virus or whether it's the violence in the streets um, or the horrific economy we have right now, this is on him. You know, the old saying, it's not you, it's me. It, it's him. It, it's him. And if, if he wants to fix it, he has to stop this radicalization process. You know, over the weekend, you may have seen reporting that a an NYPD patrol officer was uh, shouting uh, uh, Trump 2020 into his car loudspeaker. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so the good news is he was suspended pretty quickly uh, for that. I don't know how long. I, I don't know what the repercussions are, but they, the NYPD jumped on it. But here's here's the point of that. We it's back to this law enforcement problem and why I wrote the article. That officer, I'll bet if you took him aside and said, hey, tell me about your support for Trump. Oh, he's pro cop. Tell, well, and I, you know, tell me why you think he's pro cop. 
Well, he just is. Well, okay, the reality, the reality is that thousands, and many people don't know this, but thousands of police officers come to work every day in joint task forces with the feds and the FBI. And it's the pinnacle of their career to get selected for such a prestigious task force assignment. So, I mean, just in New York alone, there's hundreds of NYPD detectives assigned to various FBI task forces from crimes against children all the way up to the Joint Terrorism Task Force. And so when you make their lives harder by enabling, facilitating, encouraging violent groups who want to act out against police, um, that's not pro-police. And that cop on the street this weekend who used his car loudspeaker to do that could be shot tomorrow or assaulted tomorrow by a boogaloo boy or other group that feels they're empowered by the very president that that cop is supporting. That's what I was trying to point out in the piece. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we've seen it over and over again in videos. Um, so many incidents of, of looting or glass breaking and violence where then they don't appear to be part of the Black Lives Matter protest or the peaceful protest that's happening right then. And a lot of the, the, the people that are at the protest stop that person from from doing those things. And and I mean, we've saw we saw that time and again, especially uh, right after uh, the murder of, of George Floyd. It just it, it it seems to have been happening quite a bit. And I don't think that there are any, quote unquote, Antifa arrests that have happened. But there are a lot of white supremacist groups and these far right militias that were, you know, plotting to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and the, the mayor of Wichita and, and Mike DeWine in Ohio, Governor DeWine and and so it it's just the the evidence is all on on one side and we just keep hearing the opposite thing from 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 this administration yeah look we're entering a period now um where i can tell you that my law enforcement contacts tell me that they've begun to stand up task um not only task forces but command posts they're 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 standing up joint operation centers around the nation manned by local county state federal agencies because they know they've got to jump on every single um, potentially violent scenario. And that, you know, when, when, you know, if you want to ask a cop um, how their Thanksgiving is going to be or how their Christmas is going to be or whether they're, they're allowed to take vacation in the next week or two, you're going to get a big scowl because the answer is they, they're not taking any vacation and it's been canceled and it's been canceled because of this president and the, the kind of violent extremism that he's encouraging, that's why cops aren't going to have a vacation um, or a holiday uh, in the next few weeks or months, um, because they have to confront the kind of radicalization that this president is responsible for. So we don't have a pro-police uh, president. We, we have a president who's making their job much, much harder. And when a president has, has tweeted, I hereby declare Antifa to be a domestic terrorism organization, not only does he not understand the law in that we don't have a way of declaring any group a domestic terrorism organization, that's another discussion, um, but even if we did, there's no way to, to, there's no thing called Antifa. There's no like corporate office in Peoria. There's no membership card, right? That's, that's not it's there's no CEO or president. It's not that's not how this works. But but if you look at the far right extremism, 
The Proud Boys will be more than happy to tell you that guy's ours, that guy's not ours. You know, militia groups, we vetted that guy, we don't like that guy, right? But that, that's, those are the groups that federal law enforcement can get their hands around because there's organizational structure to them. Yeah, and... Yeah, Antifa is like an idea, and and I, I know that uh, even FBI Chris Ray, director FBI Chris, you know, director Chris Ray said that he's like, this is not a thing. Um, but what now? What about stuff like when I think we read today that Governor Greg Abbott is going to deploy a thousand National Guard troops to Texas cities, Democratic Texas cities, uh, for election week? What? Why? What is that? Well, I want to I want to take a good hard look at that. And anything coming out of the governor's Governor Abbott's uh, uh, mouth in Texas troubles me and, and bears closer uh, examination. However, however, I do I do want to kind of set expectations for the public. Part of what we just talked about, which is the standing up of of command posts and and having an increased posture, may well include in some places. Uh, a National Guard presence, um, not necessarily standing right there in the polling place. Uh, I'm not even sure that's legal, but we've got to, particularly in a, in a place like Texas that 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 could flip, um, as you know, could flip blue. You you've got a place that's extremely volatile because there's also the presence of Boogaloo Boys and other extremist groups there. So if their intelligence is telling them and their their law enforcement agencies are telling them, hey, we have to have a show of force, then then maybe we need to understand that. So I, I want to caution people to not flip out when and if they see um, law enforcement and or National Guard at some of these sites. I, I, I'm not I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that that's intimidation. All right. Good to know. Um, everyone check out the piece by Frank Figlusi. It's how new Boogaloo Boys violence shattered Trump's pro-police facade. You can find it on MSNBC. And uh, I appreciate you stopping by. Former Assistant Director of Counterintelligence, the FBI, Frank Figlusi. appreciate you talking to me today. Thanks, Allison. Take care. Everybody stay with us. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG for The Daily Beans. And we've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show which is a podcast you really should be listening to. And I know that every day somebody tells you you just have to listen to a podcast and they, you go, yep, sure, and then you never listen to it. But don't let that happen here. Jordan's show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you better informed, a more critical thinker, and they do that so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening even inside your own brain. Each episode is a conversation with a different fascinating guest, and when I say there's something for everyone here, I really mean that. In one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you, which sounds useful and disturbing at the same time. Uh, another episode tells the story of a cinematographer who discovered a lost city in the jungle and made one of the most important archaeological finds of the century. I recommend our listeners check out Jordan's conversations with Oliver Stone about writing, directing, and surviving the movie game, and episode 381 with comedian Neil Brennan, who I've done shows with. Really great guy. It's called Comedy's Triple Threat. Jordan's always focused on pulling useful, practical insights out of his brilliant guests, and we're not talking about pop psych or wishy-washy self-help stuff here. These episodes are loaded with bits of wisdom that you can use legitimately every day to change your mind and improve your life right away. It's definitely worth checking out. Uh, we'll, we really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. So search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. 
Dana, I'm again so happy. I'm going to stop asking how you are because I, I I keep thinking back to like the Mary Trump uh, interview when I was like I was like I was like how are you how are you Mary? She's like don't ask me that anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you just say what's good, and it works perfect yeah. with the segment. Just say what's good. Yeah, and this is perfect because I can ask what's good, and we have a whole bunch of good news stories to answer that question. So do you want to kick us off? You can, you can kick us off today if you'd like. I would love to. I'm going to get a little bit uh, squishy during this one because I, I scrolled down a little bit, but I'm definitely going to get us going. This is good news from Lauren, pronouns she and her. Now, as of 2020, could not get any worse. Two weeks ago, my little seven-pound puppy Casper was attacked right in front of my house. <sighs> my husband and son had just come back from a walk with him when a large dog, being walked by a 13-year-old kid, snapped off his leash and viciously attacked Casper. We rushed him to the vet where they weren't very optimistic due to the massive damage caused to our little guy. But here's the good news. He survived. Oh, my God. Yes. But after a week in the ICU, having multiple surgeries and blood transfusions and losing one of his kidneys, he has pulled through. He is now back home with us recovering. He is slowly starting to act like himself again. It was a really tough week for us. We love Casper so much. He was our first baby. But seeing how tough he's been to pull through this like a champ has been amazing. The vets were shocked that he made it through. But it just goes to show you that the saying is right. It's not about the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. So let's take the example from my little pup in the coming days and fight like hell. Now, Beans listeners, I just want you to know if you go and look at these pictures, um... This puppy is, Casper is absolutely adorable. These incisions are very bad. Yeah. And so please be prepared for that. But this little guy is making it through and is adorable. And Lauren, I am so grateful. What a heart attack to have. Like I, I had a, for a while, I had a little Pekingese um, and, you know, a tiny little dog and a dog came and just like clasped his mouth over my dog's head and wouldn't let go. And that, that it's just like a heart attack feeling. It's just so terrifying. He was okay. It is. It is a horrible noise. It's yeah. Thank God. And I, I I'm so glad this little guy's gonna be okay. So let's let's take Lauren's advice and fight like hell, people. We have one week. Yes, fight like Casper. And and again, definitely uh, content warning if you're gonna look at these in the newsletter. Uh, which comes out Monday, and we'll try to put that in the newsletter, too, that there's a content warning. Or maybe we just won't put the real graphic one in there, and we can just put the other two, you know, with a, on the, um, the more on-the-mend photos. What a baby. Look at their face. Okay. Next up from Benji, pronouns he and him. Hello from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I have a bean-related good, some bean-related good news to share. Last month... An art nonprofit loaned my hometown a pair of gigantic colorful beans. <laughs> the sculpture is called Love Your Bean <laughs> by Casimo Caballero. Uh, the name was a mantra that Casimo repeated as he spent countless hours polishing the beans. I love how the sculpture brings a sense of joy and playfulness to the neighborhood. I've attached some pictures of the beans <laughs> and one of my cats for you to enjoy. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm giggling and please someone write in and tell me if I'm not crazy polishing the bean is also yeah. a euphemism for some mm -hmm. okay good Whew. okay <laughs> I was having a moment where I turned into Jack from Will and Grace when you said polishing the bean I started giggling I have two thoughts on this it could be that it could be a love yourself kind of a mantra but it could also yeah. be a find joy in tedious work uh, hmm. Zen type mantra. 
uh, because expressing that kind of love through like weeding or gardening or something, te- you know, tedious and repetitive yeah, uh, is good for the soul. Like I-, I like that thought too. And you could mix them together as well. I mean, if you want to, you know. I mean, sometimes masturbating is tedious and repetitive. Let's just be honest. <laughs> quiet part out loud (laughs) okay sometimes you gotta say the quiet part out loud as a comedian and hopefully someone else laughed but man this little pod pet's adorable that is a beautiful cat i know look at look at the belly i want to rub the belly i know belly 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 oh this one is a long one but we've got more good news this is from uh denicio del toro Dear Bean Queens, months ago when I got the Trump letter with a stimulus check, it flipped a fuck you switch in me. I decided to become a one-man project mayhem, uh, otherwise a fight club. I discovered a service called Fiverr and found someone who can do quick Photoshop for cheap. So I took some of the stimulus money that I had and I had them Photoshop some famous Trump pictures with goofy ideas I'd have. All along, I had planned one spectacular protest around election month by having my Fiverr guy create a campaign sign I could plant all around town. Now, my idea was to take a Trump dry humping the American flag, remove old glory from it and replace it with the old USSR flag while also having just his name written in Russian style font. The plan was to get up the wee hours of the morning and plant them all around town in the cover of darkness. My MAGA wife, sigh, I know, can sleep through a tornado, so the thought of waking her during her deepest snorefest never crossed my mind. I have comments about that part, but we're going to save them. (laughs) So the last week I got up around 5 a.m., got showered. I'm out of the door easily an hour before I normally leave. I plant a few signs around a few polling places. As I drive, it was still dark out. And all of a sudden, I realized I was being tailed by a car. When this happens, you know someone is following you, just like in the movies. I was near my office, so I took a side road and pulled into a neighborhood parking lot to lose the trail, so I thought. Well, that car followed me there, and at this point, I am filled with fear and panic and have pepper spray ready as it's dark to see who's, who that is. By the way, people, I haven't read this yet. This is the first time run through. I'm very proud. All right, we keep going with our story. As I circle around, I see the car, and I realized, holy It's my wife. With her car window down, she yells in an accusatory voice, What are you doing? What are you sneaking around? In an instant, I knew I had to come clean. Her tone told me she was accusing me of cheating on her. So I pulled out my sign and I tell her I'm putting up my sign, my campaign signs. She yelled at me, No, you are not. And then it devolved into a mini argument where she threw out some of OAN's greatest hits, Hunter Biden, blah, blah, blah. Instead, I was going toe to toe with her on these arguments, as I've tried many times before. I simply said, this is my release. This is how I deal with what's going on. And then I encouraged her to follow me to my office parking lot as to not get arrested for trespassing on a neighbor's parking lot. (laughs) By that time, we pulled into the office's parking lot. My heart was racing. I knew this was going to be a nuclear blowout. I parked, she pulled in catty corner, rolled the window down, and simply said, do what you got to do, man. (laughs) This caught me off guard. I suppose she realized I was not cheating on her, so this was just me being in my anti-Trump way. Though all of the, through all of this, the one thing I was hoping to avoid was her finding out about these signs, and on day two of Project Mayhem, my cover was blown. That night, she said nothing to me. It's as if it never happened. At the time, I was terrified of what 
may do to uh, what it may do to my marriage. A week later, I was kind of laughing at what happened. <laughs> I have attached the image of Trump hugging the USSR flag. Feel free to share it far and wide. I'd love to see the Lincoln Project put it up on Times Square. In my mind, I was going to be the clever as Fight Club's Project Mayhem blended with the savviness of Mission Impossible. In reality, I landed somewhere between the Three Stooges and the Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> I clearly suck at covert spy. <laughs> I planted 10 signs so far and only a couple are still standing as I live in Trump country. I knew that MAGA cult members would see them and remove them. To me, that's all part of the fun. This is such a great fucking story. I love this. <laughs> Look at the pictures. These are great. I know. Oh. That's fantastic. That first Trump one of him dry humping the U.S. is really good. Yeah, it is really good. Good job on the Fiverr guy, whoever that was. Or, or girl, or whoever it was. Right? Seriously. Mm -hmm. The last one. These are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Delicia, well done. Well good done. There. Oh, good stuff. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, do what you got to do, man. Uh Next up, and our final story, anonymous uh, pronouns, she and her. Hey, ladies, first of all, I'd like to say a huge thank you to the Generous Beans listener who donated my free yearly membership. Oh, that's awesome. I have some great news. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. As of today, in my state of Victoria, we have recorded zero new COVID-19 cases and zero deaths. I actually cried when no the figures were reported today. Um, for those of you in the States and around the world who might not know, Metro Melbourne has been under some of the strictest and longest restrictions around the world. This has been extremely hard on everyone, but we have all, except for some dickheads, come together for the greater good. Political good news, our former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd has petitioned the Australian government to establish a royal commission similar to your independent special counsel investigation process into the stranglehold that Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation has over Australian media, and it has close to oh, wow. 400,000 signatures so far. As we have seen in the U.S., U.K., and Australia, the deliberately polarizing and politically manipulated news undermines the public debate, and they all have one thing in common, Rupert Murdoch. It's time to get this crusty motherfucker and his son Lachlan out. Love your work, AG. Welcome, DG. This podcast has been a lifesaver over my obsession with the shit show that is currently U.S. politics. Wishing all of you strength in this last week before the election, and fingers crossed for Biden-Harris to win uh, so something can dramatically change in the response to COVID. P.S. Please let me know if there's an election result watch party, because I'm down. Well, nice. anonymous, she, her, from Melbourne. There is an election live results party. We're going to be live streaming it everywhere. You'll be getting that in your patron email, and you'll see it on my Twitter. I'll be telling you all about it. And it starts, uh, I believe, on uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, the night of the election, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, it's going to be, uh, there's going to be champagne. Um, how much? We don't know yet. Um, could be a glass, could be a bottle. We find out, we find out <laughs> as the night goes on. I'm going to tell you right now, Allison, I love you and all the Bean listeners. I'm going to be crawled up by myself in the corner. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to hear from anyone. I don't think I'm going to be very good company. I just am. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can be social in the election. Last year, I was with 500 lesbians on an, a, a lesbian vacation with Olivia Travel in Ixtapa, Mexico. And the people working there were hugging us after he called them rapists and drug drug addicts and they were hugging us because they were like oh my god are you okay i can't do it again i can't do it again so i'm just hoping for the best but i'm gonna be by myself in a corner somewhere well if if you have cause to celebrate and crawl out from under the blankies i will join i promise you that i will have i will have that i will have that zoom meeting for yes. you i know because i asked mary and mary's like no no hell no i'm i'm alone that night i'm staying alone mm. <laughs> yep. 
And that seems to sort of be the thing. I, I, yeah, I need to be, I need to be, I need to be sharing the results. Surrounded by people. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Do it. So that will be happening. And uh, everyone else, uh, until then, do you have any final uh, things you want to say, Dana, before we wrap it up? You know, my final thoughts, and I will say this until November 3rd, vote early. If it's safe, vote in person. Let's get this SOB out of the White House. Yeah, Vote now. Vote now for election porn to come true. Um, until then, everyone, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health. Take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.